Hi, I'm Christine Gaffney, and I'm the creator of Fat Body of Work. Um, Fat Body of Work is a collection of art or an online exhibition of art by artists who identify as fat and female or fat and non-binary. And so there's also prompts on the website if you want to get involved and you don't think of yourself as a professional artist you can go to the website and as long as you identify as fat and female or fat and non-binary you can get involved and participate in our prompts section of the website so today i'm here to talk to our monthly featured artists and for the month of august we will be featuring the artist deja patterson okay okay Hello everyone, we're here today with Deja Patterson. Deja is a painter and a photographer who focuses on highlighting the beauty of the plus size body. She has decided to use her platform as an artist to promote body positivity. Her aim is to encourage other fat people to unapologetically accept their physical appearances. So I'm really excited to have you here today. And I'm going to start with my first question for you. Um, I know you recently graduated with your MFA, right? Um, so can you tell us a little bit how you got started making art and how you got to where you are now? Like how you got to um, where you are with receiving your MFA? Okay, cool. So I've always really been into art. Like I was a kid that took like four years of art in high school so it was pretty inevitable that I would go to um, undergrad to go ahead and get a BA in um, fine art from Tougaloo College that's what I'm actually from Mississippi so that's a school in Tougaloo Mississippi and I got my bachelor's there um, I knew I wanted to get an MFA but I wasn't quite sure so I, it's a big leap to go from a B um, a BA and um Mississippi up to an MFA in New York City. So um, um, my, my senior year of undergrad, I got accepted into this curatorial um, internship in New York City in, uh, in Queens at the Louis Armstrong House Museum. So I worked as like a, uh, an intern there and half of my time was spent at the Louis Armstrong House Museum and half the time was spent at the archives at Queens College. And so I was walking around the campus like, oh, I wonder if they have an MFA program. So that's how I ended up at Queens College. I um, scheduled um, a viewing of the studios and the studios at QC are humongous. Like artists here probably pay at least a thousand dollars a month for the size that we were, the size of the studios that we have access to. So me as like somebody in their early twenties, that was a dream to be able to make work in such a beautiful space. So that's really what drew me the QC, so that's why I ended up there, and I pursued the MFA there. Yeah, that class. sounds really great. Like the studios sound awesome. I would love to see them, but um, yeah, especially when everything is so compact in New York City, like that spacing is kind of unheard of, and I just could not pass that up. So that's yeah. what really drew me in. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so I take it you like it there, and in uh, New York, like? Well, New York has its challenges, but like you can't beat the scene, like the art scene here, like so many different galleries, so many different collectives that you can go visit. One thing that I really miss about New York 
since COVID hit, it's like Thursday night gallery hopping, just hopping around to different openings and things like that. So hopefully in the near future, in this fall, in the fall, we'll be able to adapt a way for everyone to do that again. You know, yeah. in different cities, you know, like where I'm from in Mississippi, there was really just the, you know, Mississippi Museum of Art and it wasn't really like a scene. So I like to socialize, I'm a Leo. I like to socialize, meet other artists and be able to, you know, talk about ideas and things like that, meet different curators. So like, that's what really is keeping me in New York, the network of so many different artists and so many cool ideas and so many people that I can meet that I don't think I would be able to have access to, you know, a network like that elsewhere. Yeah, that's really great. Um, congratulations on such a cool opportunity. Thank you and, so much. And then, um, I, so I also make art about the fat body and I thought, you know, when I first saw your work, I admit like one of the things I was thinking is like how brave you were <laughs> and cause you put yourself out there. And then like, I read where you say like, I'm not brave, I'm delicious. And, and I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about how you feel about, you know, that terminology and also like about putting yourself out there in ways that like other women who identify as fat might not feel like comfortable putting themselves out there. For sure. So initially, uh, my first year of grad school, I wasn't making work about the fat body at all. They say like when you go to grad school, you start off making work one way and then you end up making work another way. So basically, um, I got discriminated against a lot coming to New York City. Um, like it's so many fat folks here. One instance that I like to talk about the most um, is I went to a TV show taping. And, you know, um, I, that was like my thing when I first came up. I was like, oh, I can go to different studios and go to be like a TV show, show taping. So I'm not going to name the show that I, you know, because we're recording the show that I like was going to. But um, I noticed like as soon as you walk in, um, the like the producers, I, when I first started going, I didn't know what was going on. But like, the producers just write scribble a little letter on your ticket and um, that's how they seat you. And I know, like, I was just excited to be at the show. I'm like, I'm here to see one of my favorite celebrities, my favorite TV show host. But I noticed I was placed in the back, but I didn't care. I'm like, woo, I'm here. I'm able to see things, you know, I'm able to, you know, see my favorite uh, TV show host. But um, I went again with a friend and she did not look like me. She was a hundred and maybe 20, 130 pounds. And I noticed that we both got the same letter on our ticket. And I was like, okay, that's no problem. However, a producer um, separated us. She placed, so she placed me towards the back out of camera view, but kept my thin friend in the front within camera view. And I was like, that really made me feel kind of saucy. So another producer came and removed me and put me back within camera view and a different producer insisted that I would not be like within camera view. You know, like it's a live studio taping. So, you know, the cameras roll around and they get all the thin, pretty girls in the front. And it's not a white or black thing because there were black girls in the front, but they were 115, 120 pounds. And I started to look around me and I noticed that there were other plus size fat girls who were also pushed towards the back or the people who didn't fit, fit the conventional look that they wanted. You know, like maybe even older people, like some people over like 30, you know, were placed a little bit towards the back or people who were a little chubby were placed towards the back. 
And that made me feel some type of way. And this was one of many instances. And after that, I was just like, you know what? And it's not me, it's you. You're the one with the problem. I'm comfortable with myself and I refuse to allow societal standards make me feel like I'm less than. So that's what started to work. Like that traumatizing experience being separated from my skinny friend the, making me feel as if I wasn't worthy to be on camera. I'm like, oh, this is the day of the show. Like that's what made me start the entire body of work right there. That moment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was recently in New York this past year um, wow. and I was there for a school trip and I really noticed a lot of like similar issues. Not, I didn't have like such a traumatic experience, but I just like when I would go into restaurants, like the, seating would be like like you'd have like all the tables would be really close together and you like I like couldn't fit through the aisles and I was like and then there's like candles on the tables and I was just like this is not made for like someone of my size to like navigate this area I don't know it just seemed like really like everything was made for like skinny people there and Especially, like, yeah yeah and it's not common, and like oftentimes, it's really not a place for larger people. Like um, oftentimes I go into places and I am the fattest person there. Like that's just something that I'm just used to now. But like in other more rural places, like in Mississippi, like being curvy is a thing. You know, like everybody is, not everybody, but a good percentage of people are curvy. So it's not a, oh my God, you know? So coming to New York where, it's not meant for the larger body was a shell shock. And I'm like, well, you got to make room for me because I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, really awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Sorry you went yeah. through that. <laughs> and then I wanted to ask, like, also, it seems like a lot of your work focuses on the female form. And I just wondered, mm -hmm. like, why you feel it's important to focus on the female form. Because we're definitely scrutinized a lot, especially by men. I have another funny story. When I was like 20, maybe 19, I got this job as like a makeup girl at a strip club. Nobody else would hire me. I was like, okay, whatever. I'll do the girl's makeup. Of course, I wasn't dancing, but more power to those ladies. But I remember this was a new club that um, like they were premiering in my hometown. And there was, the, the managers were men, of course. And the girls would have to go through these things called body checks. So basically, like, you know, the strippers aren't, you know, the dancers weren't, you know, plus size women. But uh, I just thought it was so crazy how they had to, with like, endure like a body check from a man. So literally, it's her and like maybe she might be fully nude. Like, it's like it's like a okay, let me examine you head to toe. And one 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 dancer had recently um, had a baby, and so she had the little pouch, and it was just like a oh, you need to come back in maybe a month or two once you drop those 20 pounds. It's like, what? How dare you, a man, say this to a woman? You know, right. it's like, we're under scrutiny. And like another thing, you know, and like I get it that, you know, your body is the, like, like in that profession, your body is, you know, what you're selling and things like that and maintenance. But I just didn't like how he, I thought she looked fantastic. But I just didn't like how he like scrutinized her appearance, like, oh, like, just a little pudge. I didn't I didn't like that at all. Yeah. It seems like I don't know, I was just talking about this recently, how like the more that we 
and like professions like that or things that focus on appearance like the more that we just like keep emphasizing this like standard of beauty the more we're just like perpetuating it so like if someone would just like change it and be like you know that pouch is okay like maybe more people would be like you know that's okay like we like that or something you know yeah i know tons of men who would fall over for her she was she was a catch like yeah she was she was definitely beautiful like yeah more power to her but it's just so sad that a man had to literally like you know interrogate her like yeah. cause she was so close like you know maybe maybe a couple of weeks postpartum you know like yeah give her a break she's trying to provide for her child and you're sitting here telling her she's not up to up to par for you no right <laughs> so i and then in the in your work, are you are your images mostly self portraits, or do you do images of other women? So the thing about that is, so when I first started to, you know, decided that I wanted to paint the larger form. First of all, I'm not gonna be funny, but like I don't know that many other big people, especially women, and so um, so. It was hard to source it that way, but the heavy set women that I did know were a little self-conscious about their bodies, and so it was hard to get them to say, "Hey, do you want to pose in your underwear in my studio? Take some pics." And of course, like almost always, the answer was no. And I was like, "Well, I can't postpone my work because you know of you know limiting factors." So I was like, "You know what? F it. I'll take these pictures." <laughs> like I wouldn't ask someone to do something that I wouldn't do myself. So that's why. So I'm not, I'm not a narcissist, but it's just, it's just, you know, like I, I had a hard time sourcing models, like as a, like a second year grad student, you know, so it was just like a, I'll, it'll be me. So I know I can always count on myself to make the poses. So no, I think what, it's great. I, well, I'm a performance artist, so I think it's like kind of performative, like that you do that. Like, it's really cool, I think. Ah, so. thank you. And then I was wondering, like, what artists inspire you or where you get your inspiration from? My favorite artist of all time, and I've said this so many times, is Kahinde Wiley. It's like something about him. Like, I, so for a period of time in undergrad, I thought that I wanted to be a nurse. Like, I don't, <laughs> what came over me? And like, I was just like, no, nah, I'm gonna pursue nursing. So I was like in this pre-nursing program and I remember, in, like, I, but I was still in, like, this um, African-American art history class, and I saw the work with Kehinde Wiley, and was like, I need to be a painter. Uh, so, like, he really, like, I, he's my favorite artist of all time. I actually got to meet him um, pre-COVID a couple of months ago, maybe, like, six months ago or so. Wow. I went to his openings, and he was so genuine. He was so kind. It was definitely the highlight of my life, like, meeting yeah. Kehinde yeah. Yeah, his work is amazing. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a gem. Like he's my all time biggest influence ever. Like hands down. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking about, and you know, I think this is a good transition to talk about the next question because I think a lot of his work and portraiture and stuff deals with power dynamics. And I was going to ask you to talk about power and how you put yourself in a position of power within the composition of your work and like 
Could you talk about why you choose to do this? Well, I think that, so I used to work at an art museum pre-COVID. And of course, um, looking at, you know, 19th, since 18th, 19th century European works, you know, when you saw a Black person in the paintings, they were slaves, they were servants. So I think, and even historically, I think that Black women specifically um, are not in positions of power, like even today, in today's time. So um, I thought we could, and of course I'm heavily influenced by Gehinde, Gehinde's work as well. So I thought that I would like to put myself in a position of power, often with a white male subject. Because, you know, thinking back to, like, I had, like, some of my uh, ancestors, they were, like, my great-great-great-grandmother, she actually was a slave, and my great-great-grandmother um, would tell my mother uh, stories about how she worked as, like, a, like a nanny to white children down in Georgia, and basically, imagine a woman in her mid-40s, 50s, having to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, to a four-year-old child, like, you know, like historically, my family has not been in positions of power, especially the narrative of my great great grandmother. So I, I sort of think of those stories that my mother told me as a child, what you know my grandparents had to endure. So that's why I do that to change the power dynamic. It's very important to me, specifically my narrative, and you know to my family, and also as Black women historically. Yeah. Okay, I have a question that I just like thought of. That's not. Sure. Okay, um, so like your work, I'm thinking about the, like specifically the one with like the urinating on the police officers. Is it the hat? Is that yeah. right? Okay, so like, I'm just curious when you're talking about power, like that's definitely like showing your power. And, but like, did you, do this work before the current events or did it just become like more powerful because of what's happening in the world right now or like how do you feel about that okay so that people it's hard to believe but that piece was very very accidental my roommate actually has like this um like uh like this really cheesy bathroom art and it's a woman like sort of like a skinny woman like scooted down like that and i thought i would recreate the pose and so when my friends saw the piece in the work, it was like, it looks like you're peeing on something. I was like, oh, it does. And I and so like I'm watching news, I'm seeing like I attended a lot of um of the marches in honor of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I was like, this is how I feel right now. If I were to urinate on something, it would be them. <laughs> so that's what, so it was really accidental. I actually um had scheduled a photo shoot with um a white counterpart that was going to dress up as a cop and things like that but the, like the climate in new york city was so tense that i did not want anyone like an outsider to see that photo shoot because you know we were going to be in public and think that it was going to be something that it wasn't it was like really uncomfortable so i was like nah, i think that a painting will suffice right now so it was a very accidental piece but it, it turned out to be a lot more and i'm glad it did you know yeah. yeah it seems really relevant with what's mm -hmm. happening so that's why i was curious um and then i wanted um to ask you that um we were talking about what informs your art practice and i was wondering if you like to read or if there's any books that inform your art practice or if you don't 
like consider reading a huge inspiration is there anything else that like informs your practice I know it sounds bad but like I do not read I should I used to be a reader but I'm not a reader I'm heavily influenced by social media I think we all are more than we would like to admit I'll, I'll admit it I don't care so I'm heavily influenced by social media and like you know maybe a couple of years ago when we were on Instagram you didn't see fat people in their underwear it was all these you know skinny like models just like with perfect lighting airbrushed and things like that and the whole you know wave of fearless fat women is pretty recent like would you agree like yeah like within like the past two two years I would say the first person that I saw that I felt that looked like me was Tess Holiday. I thought like she would post these booty pictures I'm like who is this woman you know, in the F Your Beauty Standard um, campaign that she, she has. I was like, who is this woman? So that was, like, that was Tess Holiday was the first person that I saw that looked like me on Instagram and was fearlessly living her life. Like, she was the first, like, representation of myself that I felt like I saw. And usually when people say, oh, we have plus-size models, like, they're like a size, like, 10 or 12. And I'm like, honey, this is a 24. You know, like Tess, I think she's like a 26 or something like on the heavier side of plus size, which is like, you know, relevant to, you know, most women, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it was like a real representation. So I was just like, I was heavily influenced by Tess. And then of course, Lizzo came out. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of people like to compare me to Lizzo and things like that, but I respect Lizzo and I love her and I, I love what she does. But like, I was a little bit like, I was already on the, you know, fat girl wave prior to that, but she is fantastic too. So like the twerk videos, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, cellulite and everything. So I definitely like both of them, like fantastic. So heavily influenced by social media. Yeah, I d I'm like really discovering the whole like um, world of like, fatness within social media it's like there's like a lot of networking and a lot of uh that kind of a movement happening that i've sort of discovered as i started doing this project it's really cool to have like it seems like people are like forming like a community almost it's yeah like, yeah it's really, it's really important to me too because you know where i am and specifically um you know i don't see a lot of people like i'm not saying they're not plus size people in NYC but I don't see them often so I'm like sometimes I'm like oh wow but when I get online I see other people I'm like okay whew, you know you're out there I don't see you but you're there and yeah. that, it's, a, it's a comforting thing you know and then um to go back to your work a little bit I wanted to talk okay. about your uh use of color because you describe that as it, it seems important to your work and so I yeah so I mean I, 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 so when last summer I was working at the Metropolitan Museum of Art and um the the theme for the Met Gala of 2019 was camp and w so camp notes on fashion so when you're walking into the exhibition like throughout the beginning of the exhibition there's like this Pepto-Bismol pink everywhere and so of course working there and seeing it like so that entire summer like I was so set on like the pe like the Pepto-Bismol pink and like even inside like the gallery shop you know it was nothing but this pink 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 
and I saw it all summer long. Um, and so going into my second year of my, my last year of my grad program, like it, I was fresh out of the pink, the pink, pink, pink. So I was like, you know what? This is like, it's, it's not really a palette that I originally would have gone on. I was like, you know what? This doesn't look half bad. I'm like, I think that's pretty nice. So actually it's sort of like, a, I was heavily influenced by that, by that, the, the color scheme of that exhibition. It was like this, like Pepto-Bismol pink and then some baby pinks with like things like that. So it's not, and people think that like I use that color like as a non-consumative, no, I was just really influenced by the color scheme and the palette of that exhibition. Yeah, it sounds like you're having a lot of really great like opportunities that are like influencing your work in New York. So that sounds really cool. Thank are you. there are there any other like do you have any shows or projects you want to talk about? Like what's next for you? Yeah, so like COVID sort of helped me out. Like pr prior to COVID, I think we all were really, really busy. So I've actually had a lot of time to like crank out work and produce at a faster rate than I was prior to COVID. Um, I actually have a, a charity auction that I'm going to participate in this week. It's with um, the Brooklyn Queens Gallery Collective. And I was, um, I entered this um, auction through Deanna Evans Project. So that's going to be taking place this weekend. 50% of all of the proceeds will be going to charity of my choice. I'm still figuring out the logistics of that. And I'm also going to be featured in um uh, like a, i got accepted into my first art magazine so that's pretty cool, oh, cool. Um, through state mason galleries so right now they're going to launch it um online in august next month and the print will be out soon you know we'll get more details on that so those are the two things that are pretty much coming up for me pretty excited about Cool. Um, what kind of things do you like to do um, when you're not in the studio, just for fun, or do you do you have time for fun? Because <laughs> I know you're really busy. So I think I think painting is fun to me. I feel as if I don't like if I'm not coming up with work or thinking of my next work. I'm like, so what? What am I doing? You know. But I like to. I know so I like to go as cheesy. I like to go more morning walks. I like to look around. Like I like to go really early when no one's around. I like to go on walks and just like you know take in nature because you know it's hard to be alone in New York. You know there's so many like it's eight million people here, so it's hard to be alone. So it's like you know I like to do that. That's that's my like getaway. And like some, like now the beaches are open, Ugh. but like <laughs> I would like to go to the beach and just sit there. You know things like that like to you know i like to go to parks and pretend that i'm not in new york early hours in the morning and i pretend that I, i'm at home in the south i'm like ah oh, a tree look at that ah oh, <laughs> remnants of home so that's what i like to do pretend that i'm not in new york <laughs> that's funny nature walk yeah so the last thing I want to ask you is just um, how would you suggest people like find you like on social media or do you have, do you want to throw out any like website or anything for them to find you? Yeah, for sure. So right now, follow my main page at wonderfully artistic is spelled how it sounds. And then I have a page dedicated to my art as well part art of Deja Patterson on IG as well. You can find your girl there. Cool. Thank you so much. And it Thank was great you. to have you today on here. So I really appreciate it.
Thank you so much. Okay.